It's great to be with you this morning. I wanted to take just a moment and thank the people who were here yesterday to help us on our spring cleanup day. Uh, Weeds were pulled, bushes were trimmed, chainsaws were running, I don't know, windows were washed, all things were going on. Uh, If you see people who are walking kind of funny, those are probably people like me who are pulling weeds and probably don't do enough of that, so now we're a little sore today, but uh, it was it was a great morning. Uh, we got a lot done. Um, it's all in preparation for our spring open house, our outreach event that we will have here in just two weeks. Um, that's an event that you can find more information about on the back of your bulletin, but please plan on being here for that as we welcome our neighborhood, the people from our neighborhood here so that we can uh, learn more about them, so they can learn more about us, and hopefully so that they can take another step closer to Jesus Christ. I also want to give you a Project 9K update. For those of you who may not know, Project 9K is our Bible reading challenge here at Netherwood Park Church of Christ. We have challenged ourselves as a congregation in 2017 to read at least 9,000 books of the Bible, and to date we have read 1,230 books. So good job. Keep up the good work. Uh, it's really good that there are so many of us that are committed to spending daily time in reading our Bibles. It transforms us. And that's the reason that we have these Bible reading challenges, because we do believe in the transforming power of God's Word. And because we believe in that transforming power, it's why we encourage everyone to make frequent and consistent Bible reading and Bible study a part of their lives. We also feel the same way about prayer. We believe that prayer is powerful. We believe that prayer is effective. We are a praying church. And we want you to know that if you have a prayer request that you would like this church or just its eldership to lift up to God in prayer, we want to know about that request so that we can honor that request. If you have something you would like for us to lift up to God, all you have to do is pull out one of those green cards you'll find in front of you. Fill out your request, drop it in one of our collection boxes, and we will honor that request. You can find two collection boxes at the back of the auditorium. You can find a third box just through these double doors. We believe in the power of prayer. We also think it's important that you know that we believe in the power of baptism. We believe that it's through immersion in water that believers in Jesus Christ are buried with Jesus so that they can also rise with Jesus after they've died to their old life so that they can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and rise to live new lives in Jesus Christ. So if you are here and you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you haven't yet been baptized, we really should have a conversation about that. And to have that conversation, all you need to do is turn that green card over on the back, fill out your contact information, check the box about baptism, and I will contact you right away so that we can have that conversation. The last thing that I want you to know that we believe in here at Netherwood Park is we believe in the importance of being a member of a local congregation. We believe that it's important that you live life with other Christians, We believe there's great value in formally declaring that you want to be a part of a church, a church family, and you want to be led by its eldership. So if you've been attending Netherwood for a while and you haven't yet made that declaration, I really want to encourage you to do that today. And to do that, all you need to do is to fill out that contact information on that green card, check the box about church membership, 
and I'll contact you right away, and we'll have a conversation with you about being a part of this church family. Well, as we prepare to learn more about the continuing presence of Jesus Christ in our lives, let's pause for a moment and let's pray. Now, Father, you bless us so greatly. And Father, you have blessed us with your Son, and Father, you have blessed us with your Spirit. And Father, we thank you for not leaving us as orphans in this world. Thank you for, for providing your guidance, for providing your comfort, for providing teaching, for providing your truth, for providing your spirit in our lives. And Father, we pray this through the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Well, today we are continuing our sermon series out of the Gospel of John. We'll be spending pretty much all of our time in the 14th, the 15th, and the 16th chapters of John. So this would be a good time to take your Bibles and turn there. John 14, 15, and 16. As we have been doing, let's set the stage. If you were here last week, you'll remember that we have entered a turbulent time in the life of Jesus and the life of his followers. They're in Jerusalem. And even though crowds have greeted Jesus with loud shouts of Hosanna, the religious leaders are determined to stop Jesus' momentum by killing him and by killing Lazarus. And if that wasn't enough to darken the mood, Jesus has been dropping hints about his impending death. And he's been speaking openly about the fact that he's going to be betrayed at the hands of one of his closest followers. And he's also been talking about the fact that he's going to be denied by his most vocal follower. So as Jesus' disciples are trying to digest what Jesus meant when he told them that they should wash each other's feet just as he had washed their feet... They're also trying to sort through Jesus' troubling statements and their suddenly uncertain future. As the old song says, troublesome times are here. And that's where we find ourselves in the Gospel of John. That's what's been going on. And as people of the Word, people who are familiar with the Bible story, we can't pretend like we don't know what's about to happen in our story. As John chapter 14 opens up, we know that we're only hours away from Judas, the betrayer, leading a group of soldiers and Jewish officials in to arrest Jesus. And we know that we're only hours away from Peter denying that he even knows Jesus. He certainly isn't a follower of Jesus. We know we're only hours away from Pilate ignoring his instincts, ignoring his conscience, and instead capitulating, instead giving in to the wishes of the crowd and turning Jesus over to be crucified. So we know we're only hours away from Jesus on the cross, and we're only hours away from Jesus' death. Troublesome times are here. Jesus is about to die. And his disciples are about to lose their friend. They're about to lose their teacher. They're about to lose their master. They're about to lose the one that they trust. They're about to lose the one they love. 
And they're about to lose the one who loves them. They're about to lose the one who just showed them the full extent, the the depth, the magnitude of his love when he took the slave spot and he washed their feet. So what do you do when people you love are about to lose a loved one? We've all been there, right? In fact, some of us are there right now. We know what it's like when there are troublesome times for people that we care about, people that we love. We know what it's like when there are troublesome times for people that we love deeply. We know what it's like when people we love are about to lose a loved one. And what do we want to do at those times? What do we want to do for those people that we love that are about to lose a loved one? What's our deepest desire in those troublesome times. We long to bring peace, don't we? We long to bring comfort into the middle of their trouble. That's what we long to do. We want to be able to tell them, we want to be able to reassure them that everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. And in the church among Christians, we often find ourselves saying things like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay because they're going to a better place. And that may bring some peace and that may bring some comfort. But it doesn't really reassure those who are going to be left behind that they are going to be okay when their loved one is gone. Now a different situation. What do you do and what do you say if you are the loved one? You're the loved one that the people that you love are about to lose. Now, since we're here, obviously, most of us haven't been there, right? Most of us haven't searched for comforting words to give to our loved ones who we are about to leave behind because it's our death that's imminent. But we've been on the other side of that, haven't we? When that parent or grandparent, when that husband or wife, when that dear friend is nearing death. We want to give them peace and comfort, don't we? But we also want back from them. We want peace and comfort from them. We want that, don't we? We want them to tell us that everything's going to be okay after they are gone. So how would you feel if your dying loved one told you that it was good news that they're going away? How would you feel if they said that they were convinced that it was for your own good that they were going to die? If they told you that it was actually going to be a better place for you, you were going to be better off without them? Not good news because they're going to be in a better place But if they tell you that you're going to be in a better place without them, that's the good news. It'd be hard to hear, wouldn't it? It'd be hard to understand. It'd be hard to believe, wouldn't it? And here we are in John. We're hours away from Jesus' death. And Jesus comforts his closest followers by telling them that his death is actually good news. 
Listen to Jesus' words of comfort to those he loves. John 16 and verse 5. He said, because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it's for your own good that I'm going away. It's for your own good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. It's for your own good that I'm going away. Troublesome times are here. The disciples are filled with grief because Jesus is leaving them. And he tells them that his departure is good news. Not necessarily good news for him, but it's good news for them. It's for your own good that I'm going away. We have to wonder, how can this possibly be good news? How can it be good news that your friend, your teacher, your Lord, your master, your mentor, the one that you rely on so heavily is about to die, how can that be good news? How can it be good news that Jesus is about to die and the disciples clearly aren't ready? They're not ready for him to go away. How can this be good news? You know, one of the things that we often say to people we love during their troublesome times is, if you need anything, just let me know. If you need anything, just let me know. And the reality is that when people are suffering the loss of a loved one, they don't really know what they need. And the truth is, even if they could articulate, even if they could tell you their deepest needs, we'd have a hard time giving them what they really need. See, in the midst of these troublesome times, people need things like peace. They need peace in the midst of chaos. People need the presence of someone in the face of their loss. People need comfort in their grief. People need guidance in their confusion. People need truth in the face of lies. And when Jesus tells his disciples that it's for their own good that he's going away, it's because he's promising to give them a gift that's going to meet all of their needs. Not just in these troublesome times, but in all times. See, Jesus is promising to send them a helper who will come alongside them in his absence. Jesus is promising to send them a counselor. He's promising to send them an advocate to come alongside them in his absence. Jesus is promising to send them the Holy Spirit to come alongside them in his absence. And that's the good news. It's the good news because the Spirit will bring Jesus' comfort in the midst of their grief. And Jesus will bring his, the Spirit will bring Jesus' peace in the midst of their chaos. And the Spirit will bring Jesus' presence in the face of their loss. And the Spirit will bring Jesus' guidance to their confusion. And the Spirit will bring Jesus' truth in the face of Satan's lies. The Holy Spirit is good news because he has been sent for our own good. 
So let's listen as Jesus describes the good news of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14 and verse 15. Jesus says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And then in John 14 and verse 25, Jesus says, All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. It says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And then in John chapter 16 and verse 12, Jesus says, I have much more to say to you, much more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. That's good news. That was good news for them then, and it's good news for us now. Jesus didn't leave his disciples orphans then, and he doesn't leave us as orphans now. And that's why Jesus is able to look his disciples in the eye and say, it's for your own good that I'm going away. It's for your own good because I won't leave you alone. Because I will send you the helper. Because I will send the counselor, the advocate, the Holy Spirit to come alongside you and be with you always. It's troublesome times, but the Holy Spirit is good news. And it's good news because the Spirit is a gift that's given freely by God to his obedient believers. You'll remember this dramatic scene. It's not long after Jesus did leave his disciples, after he ascended into heaven. It's Pentecost. Peter's standing before a large crowd of Jews in Jerusalem, and he tells them this, Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 36. He says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. The gift of the Holy Spirit was good news to those who repented and were baptized back then. It's good news to those of us who repent and are baptized now. The Holy Spirit is good news. 
And the Holy Spirit is good news because the Spirit brings the continuing presence of Jesus into our lives. We need to know and understand and believe that in a very real sense, the Spirit brings Jesus alongside us, and he does that now. And not just now. But the Spirit brings the continuing presence of Jesus alongside us whenever and wherever. And he does it forever. The continuing presence of Jesus is good news. And the Holy Spirit is good news because the the presence of the Spirit in our life shows that Jesus didn't just come to earth And then give directions about the way we should leave and then leave. No, Jesus gave us the spirit to lead us, to strengthen us, to guide us every day. Through the spirit, Jesus doesn't just give us directions. Instead, he takes us by the hand and he leads us to where we're supposed to go. He didn't just show us the way. No, he is the way. And the guidance of the Holy Spirit is good news. And the Holy Spirit is good news because it demonstrates that Jesus didn't just come to earth and teach us the truth and then leave. Leave us as orphans. No, through the Spirit, Jesus continues to teach us and he continues to remind us of the truth. And he does that every day. He doesn't just teach us the truth. Jesus is the truth. And the teaching that comes from the Holy Spirit is good news. And the presence of the Holy Spirit is good news. Because it shows us that Jesus didn't just come to earth and reveal the life that was possible with the Father and then leave. Leave us as orphans. No, when Jesus came, he brought the Father to us. And now he continues to provide our way to the Father through him. And he speaks to us through his spirit. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. The Holy Spirit is good news. The continuing presence of Jesus Christ in our lives through the gift of the Holy Spirit is good news. Sounds good, doesn't it? To be able to have the continuing presence of Jesus in our lives. The spirit who brings us Jesus' peace and brings us his comfort. Brings us his guidance and brings us his truth. But you may be like me. and You may be sitting there and thinking, I believe in Jesus' promise. But there are often times that I don't feel his presence. I want you to know you're in good company. See, I can't speak for everyone here, but I know that I sometimes struggle to feel Jesus' continuing presence in my life. So I wonder, how do we change that? How do we change that? How do we have that continuing presence of Jesus in our lives through the Spirit? Well, the first thing I have to tell you is that if you haven't yet accepted that gift, 
if you haven't accepted the gift of the Spirit, if you haven't repented of your sins, if you haven't been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, you haven't received the Holy Spirit. You need to do that. You need to accept the gift. You need to accept the gift to have that continuing presence of Jesus in your life. And how about those of us who have accepted the gift? Who have been baptized, who have been risen so that we can share in Jesus' life, so we can have the Spirit in our life. How about us? What do we need to do to have the continuing presence of Jesus in our lives? Well, I want to tell you, there's more good news. See, I believe Jesus gave us the answer to that question in these very same chapters of John. And the answer is really pretty simple. We find it hard to do, but the answer is really pretty simple. See, we have the continuing presence of Jesus when we abide in Jesus. When we remain in Jesus. When we live in Jesus. Jesus puts it this way in John chapter 15 and verse 1. He says, I am the vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it will bear even more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Then Jesus says, remain in me. Your version may say, abide in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You see, we have the continuing presence of Jesus in our lives when we don't separate ourselves from him. When we live in him, when he is our vine, when he's our source of nourishment, when he's our source of strength, when he's our very source of life itself. William Barclay put it this way. He said, never allow there to be a day when you give yourself a chance to forget him. Never allow there to be a day when you allow yourself a chance to forget him. What's he saying? He's saying never remove yourself from the vine. He's saying if we will live in Jesus, Jesus will live in us. So we have the continuing presence of Jesus in our lives when we arrange our lives to have this constant connection with Jesus. A constant connection like a branch to its vine. And we establish that connection and we keep that connection 
by the way that we order our lives, the way we live our lives, the way we arrange our lives. We establish and keep that connection through prayer. We establish and keep that connection by praying continually. And we establish and keep that connection to the vine through Bible study. We study God's word daily. And we establish and we keep that connection to the vine through communion. We gather at this table weekly. And we establish and we keep that connection through fellowship with each other. We live our lives with our church family and we do that constantly. And we establish and we keep that connection to the vine through times of solitude. We take time to be with the Father and with the Son and with the Spirit without the presence of others. Just us and them. And we make that connection and we keep that connection through living lives of simplicity. We force ourselves to remove distractions that remove us from the presence of Jesus. And when we do that, we learn to take time to be still. Take time to listen. We take time to watch. And when we're still And when we listen and when we watch, that's when we feel and we hear and we see the continuing presence of Jesus in our lives. And when we feel and hear and see the presence of Jesus in our lives, we'll find that we're no longer afraid, even in our troublesome times. Because then we'll know that Jesus has not left us as orphans. Because Jesus, our Lord and Master, promised during a troublesome time long ago, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Isn't it great to have the continuing presence of Jesus in our lives? Isn't it great to have the continuing presence of Jesus in our lives as we all look forward to the day that we will be present with Jesus in heaven forever? So let's stand and let's sing about that day. Let's stand. Stand.